Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. I'm Eric. And I'm Abby. And this week's movie is... Street Fighter The Movie. Hey Cartridge Commandos, welcome to a special holiday episode of the show. We wanted to take things a little easier this week and we thought we'd try out a a special format we may do once in a while. And we've welcomed an old friend on Miss Abby here to help us out with a a new format for the show where we go over a classic or not so classic movie based on a classic video game. This is definitely not so classic. (laughs) And without further ado, let's get right into it with the history of this film. Uh, well, whatever country slapped those blue pants on your butt, this next one was a hit wherever you're from. Street Fighter the Movie was produced by Capcom and released on December 23rd of 1994. It had a budget of $35 million and made $99 million back, thus making it a box office success. Yeah, that's worldwide, right? Or I think global? so, yeah. Okay. Now, this movie was uh, written and directed by Steven D'Souza. And he was a, a writer of many great action films from the 80s. Yeah, I saw that. He's got a quite the storied um, career. Yeah, this was his first uh, directing gig, but he is best known for writing movies like uh, Commando, Running Man, Die Hard 1 and 2. Those are his big hits. Have you seen all those guys? Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, his not-so-big hits, uh, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> which I did love as a kid. I've never, never seen that one. Uh, you're missing out. And then he also wrote the uh, Stallone version of Judge Dredd. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that as well. Also not that great. Now, this director was uh, faced many obstacles while making this film. Yeah. yeah. Such as a, a temperamental fight crew that didn't really want to include the street fighting moves yeah, from the video yeah. game. I read about that. That sucks. <laughs> uh, you know, a company, Capcom, that kept shoving more and more demands upon him, uh, more characters as production went on. Uh, And then they also had a locked-in final date. Like, they had a release date set before this film was ever even started. Right, yeah. What, do they all have, like, a year or something? Yeah. (laughs) So he had a lot of things working against him. And, uh, you know, there was also, you know, as you mentioned before in another podcast, an influence for even from the toy companies, I think it was Hasbro, who had the licensing for this. Yeah, yeah, the... The G.I. Joe Street Fighter figures. And then to top it all off, when production started, Raul Julia showed up about two weeks off of stomach cancer surgery. And apparently he was just rail thin and in no shape to do much of anything. So all of his scenes had to be put, you know, pushed way back and it had to change the entire schedule of shooting for the film. Yeah, yeah, I saw that where it's like to let him gain some weight so that he didn't look so like what that and I don't think he was even physically able to do some of the stunts. I mean, as you will, you know, see or hopefully have seen, he does do wire work in the film and that's yeah. that's a, kind of physically demanding to a degree. Yeah, man. Props to props to Raul. But he is pretty gaunt. I mean, yeah, he does look very thin in yeah. a lot of these films, uh, a lot of the scenes. And, you know, I'll point out which ones he is the most thin in. That's when they just started. And he looks like he's being swallowed by his super suit <laughs> it's, there. It's it crazy. Ill-fitted. Now, um, as we said, all of this had to be done, you know, by December of 94. And Capcom had that day locked for marketing and everything else. And they would not budge one bit. 
So there, you know, reshoots had to be snuck into that time and everything. It's crazy. But the funniest thing is this movie, when it was first put to the MPAA, garnered an R rating. Yeah, I saw that they thought. What, what did they think it was like circumstantially? Because well, there was there a was... shooting that happened, you know, close by and time wise. So maybe right. the gunplay. But uh, then they cut it down, and when it was resubmitted, they were given a G rating. <laughs> yeah. So then they went back and put in the curse word. Or yeah, something there was to... one scene, and uh, yeah, it, it, they take they overdub a line with a cuss word so that it will get a PG thirteen rating. Oh man. What line? Uh, it's when Guile is shimmying down the like shaft. And he says he's getting too old for this shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay. okay. Yeah. So when he, which calls... I guess now makes this a PG thirteen podcast. Sorry oh. guys. Okay, so son of a bitch doesn't count because he's. No, I think that might be PG. Okay. Okay. Because yeah. I remember him saying that, talking about M Bison. Yeah. Well, this movie had a lot of really strange things go on that constrained not only what was filmed but the way things were filmed, and we'll talk about that a little bit more as we get through it later on. It was Bison's scientists who warped his body. I did what I could to preserve his mind, to keep him human. All right, Nick. What kind of movie is Street Fighter the movie? Um, it's a no, G.I. Really? Joe movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, more specifically, you know, this movie had a lot of interesting players in it, actors and, and people that helped move it along. And this is a, a weird spot in many of their careers. Uh, yeah, yeah. Many of them entered what we call movie jail after this. <laughs> uh, and I think you have a list of some of the notable actors and maybe a few of the other things they've done. Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously the big star is Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. Um, I think he got top billing and he's the big, you know, action martial arts star from the 80s and 90s. He got something like uh, he got something like six to eight million dollars for this. Wow. Okay. A huge yeah. chunk of the budget was spent on him and Raul Julia. Well, yeah, they're they are both like head and shoulders above the rest, you know, in terms of popularity. And Capcom specifically wanted Jean Claude Van Damme. They were adamant about that from the very beginning, before they yeah. even had their director. I saw that, which is, I mean, all right, whatever. It's their character, you know. You know what? The... I would say he is really good at that being that character in every way, except for the accent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the hair. Yeah, no, I loved it because. Uh... You know, Jean-Claude Van Damme is always uh, like uh, the reluctant fighter, yeah. the sensitive guy um, in all of his movies. Like you have to kind of like because he has that romance <laughs> element, you know. True. And you know what? There were no splits in this movie. There were no splits. There was kind of an air splits, but no like, you know, stuck between two things splits. Yeah. No, yeah. no. There was no like early morning uh, stretch session where he <laughs> mm-hmm. does the splits between anything. But there is, um, you know, the slow motion showing a, showing a kick the in triple. slow motion the, with the triple shot where from three different angles oh, yeah. you get a slow motion kick from him. Yeah, Classic. And, you know, that's pretty fitting for the Guile character. You you do hire a good kicker. I mean, that's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought he was, for the most part, fine. It's just kind of perplexing to have him, I guess, just be one of the two American people. But... Yeah, you know, I really think they could have easily changed Guile to being not American if they're going to change everything else about these characters. Because when he says Reaver, it does not sound like a, an American <laughs> or, general or whatever. Yeah, or Troopers. When he troopers. Says troppers. 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 <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it's the, the allied nations. Yeah. Like the most diverse group of fighting people. It is. It truly is. Now, who else is in this uh, amazing list, Nick? Well, um, we also have, as we, the aforementioned uh, Raul Julia, Yes, an award-winning actor, you know, a 
classic. He's known for many things, Kiss of the Spider Woman and uh, Adam's Family and Values, yeah, most notably. Which were, I mean, pretty close before this, right? That was like when yeah. he was really breaking through, I think, as a big time kind of popular actor. And then, you know, not so fortunate to have this stomach cancer thing. No, and he is really probably one of the highlights of this film. And, and yeah. all the reviews do point out that he is really having fun with his role. Yeah, he's going he's going for it, man. And it's cool. He's hilarious. He's a great psycho supervillain. So, you know. Yeah, I for, feel like good on him, man. What a, what a tropper. <laughs> I feel like he's one of the only actors that really, you know, goes for the lines with full gusto. Yeah, I mean, you could say that about Jean-Claude as well, but I feel like, too, like, they're I kind of get that vibe where I'm like, you still think you're a badass. Like, and they're just like, not Vin delivered Diesel-y, like, you know? very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. But yeah, so there's also uh, Ming-Na Wen in yeah. the role of Chun-Li. I had forgotten that she was in this. I, I was like, she, the name was very familiar to me, and then uh, I've never seen Joy Luck Club, but she was in that, which was very big back well, and in the day. she was on ER for a while, which is... Super popular. Oh, and she was also the voice of Mulan. That she is, is the most Mulan. popular. <laughs> She's yes. Mulan. She is a Disney princess. She yeah. is. And yeah. she reprised her role for, I think, a lot of the uh, TV show appearances and video games. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And even some Disney on Ice recordings. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, also really? to this comic book nerds, she is in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show as well. I saw that. I haven't, I have not Agent watched May. it that much, really, at all. She's so. like the ultra badass of the team. All right, sticking with the action stuff. Definitely, definitely. Next up, a uh, personal favorite also is uh, Wes Studi. Um, yeah. He's a famous kind of na- Native American actor, you know? Like, right. He was, plays a lot of those roles, including Magua from uh, Last of the Mohicans, which is awesome. I love it. It was one of my favorite guys in any movie. Yeah, I was I was wondering if that was going to be one of the things that really helped oh, you out here in this film. Cut out the gray hair's heart. And also Mystery Men. Yeah, yeah. So, which he was, I mean... He plays uh, Saget, so he's he looks the part. He's just like two feet too short. I feel like you know? right. So, but you know he's fine for what he's given. And uh, also in the role of Doctor Dalsim is Doctor uh, Dalsim, yeah, Roshan Seth, who apparently I mean he's a big time. He's like a British born like yeah. uh, Indian character actor or whatever. So he was in. Temple of Doom, I guess. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. the evil doctor. He's uh, the evil doctor in Temple of Doom. I couldn't place... I mean, I saw that he was, but I was like, I haven't seen that one since uh, so long ago. This but. is another thing that just lit me up when I was like, oh, man, <laughs> don't see he was the evil doctor. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. But he's also in, I think, a lot of uh, you know Gandhi biopics as different like mm-hmm, ministers mm-hmm. and, and you know, different government people and, and all kinds of things like that. Lots of uh, like BBC shows, mm-hmm. too. I mean, he's... We checked out his IMDb, and I mean, he does like one or two or three or four or five things every year. Oh, yeah. Like since this movie came out. So, yeah, he's a busy Pumping actor. Yeah. And then also, uh, much a weirder kind of inclusion is uh, the character of Captain Sawada, who's like the second in command of the yeah. Allied Nations forces. But Well, this is a character that was invented uh, because yeah, yeah. the Capcom wanted this actor to be Ryu. Yeah. And, you know, the director invented this role for him so that he wouldn't be Ryu. Yeah, well, because and the actor is uh, English very well, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, well, he, the actor's name is Kenya Sawada, so they mm-hmm. even named it right now. I guess he's probably pretty big, I think, in the Asian market. So. Yeah, and he is the only uh, actor in the film that is dubbed. Oh, yeah, that one scene, yeah, where they're like, and two so scenes. bad. I was really confused. I was like, was that guy dubbed? And <laughs> then later when I saw him talk again, it was confirmed. I, yes. I, I just thought he talked weird. So. Wait, someone dubbed over him saying Connell instead of Colonel? Yeah, everything he says is dubbed. Wow. It must have been really bad. <laughs> it must have been much worse, yeah. yeah. 
but he has an extensive uh, filmography in uh, Japanese cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, Kylie Minogue in the role of Cammy. Yes, this is post locomotion yeah, and yeah. pre can't get you out of my head. Yeah, I didn't know her at this point, really. Like, even from Locomotion, I didn't know her name, you know, from right. when I was a kid. But Well, she know. wasn't that popular. But apparently, uh, since most of this film was filmed in Australia, the Australian Film Guild uh, said they had to have at least one right. Australian <laughs> actor on the film. And with the part of Cammy uncast, he saw her in a magazine, the in-flight magazine, on his flight. And he saw that she had experience acting in soap operas. And that yeah, was all yeah. he needed to know. And she was cast. Um, and, I mean, for the rest of people are pretty much just, like, character actors. Like, Well, they've been in some other notable things. Like, uh, I didn't, like, who? Well, two, two of the actors. Really? Um, yeah, like, Ken and mm-hmm. Zangief. They were both in, like, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Uh, so was uh, Balrog, Grand Bush. Yeah. He was, like, in, like, Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And the actor who plays Ryu has been in a lot of different, you know, martial arts films throughout the years since then. I yeah, I never, I didn't recognize him at all. So I was like, these guys are nobodies. <laughs> well, you know, bit players. They never moved on to anything that big. That's for certain. Right, right. And then uh, there's uh, two other, you know, people I would like to shout out here as part of the crew. I thought you might miss a little inside baseball. I did go to school for film, so I have to, <laughs> I have to represent for those behind the camera. And the music in this film was all done by Graeme Ravel. And he did a really wide range of films. Uh, he did this. He did The Crow, the Power Rangers movie, uh, The Craft, oh, wow. Dusk Till Dawn, uh, The Saint, one of my personal favorites, yeah, yeah. and Sin City. So, wow, okay. Wow. It's an interesting Sin City, list. That, yeah, okay. But really, the creme de la creme of this film production is the cinematographer. And this is Academy Award nominee William Ashman Fraker. Uh, you know, not a lot of credits to his name. He did do War Games. Okay. And he did uh, Heaven Can Wait, but he's most known for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, okay. So almost as good as Street Fighter <laughs> the movie. Close, but no cigar. Tell you what, after I've crushed my enemies, we'll see about getting you published. That should cheer you up, hmm? Well, Abby, what is your personal history with this movie? Well, I know that I saw this movie when it came out, and I know I must have seen it in you, the theater. Okay, it came out over Christmas break. Yeah, it came out over Christmas break. Because I also saw it in the theater. I think yes. I saw it with my little brother. Yeah. Probably how you saw it as well. Yeah, I probably saw it with both of my brothers, and I remember watching it as a kid, and I remember knowing it wasn't very good. Right. But I liked a lot of stupid stuff when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I still, I, I know... That it well, was bad. I'm a whole maybe two years older than you, and I knew it was not that good when I saw it, but <laughs> I still had, you know, I, I wasn't a huge Street Fighter person, so I didn't realize how far off it was, and I thought some of it was not too bad. Now, Nick, have you ever, you, you've stated before that you've never seen this. No, yeah, I never saw it before. Um, you, you were a Street Fighter fan, though, so yeah, why didn't you go? Well, uh, from the commercials, I was like, I don't think this is what I'm looking for in a Street Fighter movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it. I don't know. It just looked like, you know, it kind of reminded me of uh, Super Mario Brothers, the movie. where I, Which, which I, had come out, I think, just a year before. Which, I mean, I, I saw that and I was like, yeah, they don't know what they're doing. And, gotcha. you know, much like video games made of movies, and the reverse is just as bad, typically. So mm-hmm. I stayed away from it because, and I was like 14, so I'd have been like, this is so dumb. And, yeah. you know, so yeah, never saw it. Now, what was your guys' more recent experience? Uh, I'm guessing you both watched it. 
We watched it today. We did. Yeah, oh, you yeah. watched it today. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fresh, fresh in the mind. Oh, okay, great. And you watched it together then. And we watched it together. How romantic. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was sweet. Just like Chun-Li and Guile. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, or Guile and Cammy. Who knows? Or Chun-Li but, and well, any of the part. other guys that were all hitting on her the yeah. whole time. And I watched this movie with my family. It was our family movie night. So uh, Cruel man. I made them all watch it. And now on the one side, we did break in the middle for dinner. So about an hour in, we okay. did take a little break there, which made it a little easier. But, you know, it, w- it was not hated by anyone. And my yeah. six-year-old actually loved this movie. <laughs> she loved Chun-Li and, you know, was just, just having a blast. Right on. A single boat against everything he's got? The pilot would have to be out of his mind. Luckily, Bison has driven me crazy. So I'm going to do it. All right, here we are in the general chat portion of our show. And I'd just like to start by saying that 95% of what Guile says is a cliche or (laughs) one-liner. And I kind of love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's, you know, JCVD at his best, you know, doing what he's been doing. Mm -hmm. It is interesting the lengths they will go to to feed him a one-liner, even if he's being asked a complex (laughs) question or giving orders to the people around him. He doesn't have time to for long speeches, man. No, no, he doesn't. Now, this movie was shot for $33 million, which is kind of a lot for the time. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't really look like it. No, I, the, the effects aren't the best, to be honest. Well, not like, even the effects, the sets. I mean, yeah. Yeah, everything seems very small. The sets are very cheap. And flimsy. Like, if anyone leans on or touches anything, it wobbles. Right, right. <laughs> So that, that to me was a definitely a sticking point. And then, uh, but you know, it's one of those things where when I say sticking point, it makes the film worse. But this movie for me went right past that point to the sweet spot where it's kind of so bad it is good. Oh yeah. It's a total action cheese. Like, and it, it, I think it's somewhat self-aware. The moments of levity, they, certain people are like Zangief and, and mm-hmm. DJ are, are hilarious. I think. Oh, DJ's facial expressions alone are, yeah, are worth gold, a million, man. a million dollars. <laughs> Well, I think it's aided, uh, like the sets, the flimsiness of the sets, and like uh, you know, like going to uh, the different the different scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, I kept looking for scenes that would match uh, backgrounds uh, from from fights in the game. Oh, right. So I kept looking for stuff like that, and the backgrounds were like busy. Mm-hmm. You know, like they like they are in the game. So I liked it, but I I also think it was kind of helped by the fact that this movie is more of a like caper. Yeah, oh, it's an action movie, which is funny mm-hmm. because it's about street fighters that don't do yeah, anything but no. fight. But yeah, it's just like a, it's kind of like none a James of this Bond. movie takes place on the street. No, no, <laughs> it it doesn't. And if it does, they're in a truck, right, being transported somewhere, and that's it. But as you said, yeah, it's kind of like a James Bond kind of thing. But if James a James Bond movie had like 12 characters in it yeah it very much has a a gi joe feel like and they even like i I believe they talk about it where they were like capcom was all about it like uh where you just have this big team of all these people doing this like military mission like pseudo military spying now we've talked about it before in the street fighter episode and we got into a little bit about the history of these characters in the game and their storylines yeah, yeah. And from what I can tell, none of that is relevant uh, to not, the characters of this film. Not really. It's it's about as like faithful as say Batman versus Superman or so, you know, like they name right. check things. Yeah, Charlie's here and he's Blanca now, but <laughs> but to be yeah. honest, like 
Street Fighter didn't have these super deep origins, like right. you know. And and as someone who wasn't really well connected to that, you know, the video game origin of these characters, I did think it was kind of interesting how they did pull them all together, you know, through yeah, the storyline yeah. to get them in that one final place, yeah. even if at the end a third of them don't actually fight or have any fighting ability. Yeah, yeah, it's like I mean I don't know. I was I've never been you know I've always loved Street Fighter but that was because of the gameplay not like the characters I mean they have some cool guys but it's not like they have these epic stories or you know doesn't so it didn't that doesn't really bother me anymore like it would have when I was a, a young one. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember it bothering me, um, and it still bothers me. Uh, because I watched a lot of Street Fighter. Like as you know, I'm not very good at Street Fighter or right. any other video games. But I uh, I watched a whole lot of it because it's uh, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has uh, an identity that they express with their clothes. Right, and the, and the graphics, the sprites. Yeah, yeah. So like, so each of the characters is incredibly iconic. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a nationality. Yes. A, a costume that fits that nationality and then they have like their their home level right so they have like their their background that matches that so all of those things are you know easy to remember and mm-hmm. easy to recognize mm-hmm. and that's what makes it even more obvious that nothing in this movie well matches anybody except way, for when they when they do kind of shoehorn it in yeah but see that's what i it like it is gratifying at the very end yeah. you do get some of that you but do get chun li with buns i will agree that it's it's not enough of what you want in that fan service and it's not soon enough yeah i, I did notice at the end there's that part where it's you're like it's in bison's lair and they have that big bell in the middle uh-huh. for like no reason it seems but there is a big bell in the background of his level in in street fighter 2 so uh-uh. Well, and then, you know, in defense of this film, you do, by the end, get to see almost every character in their garb from the, the, the video game. Yeah, well, I mean... It's, Some it's, people, it's 30 seconds or less. But right, by right. the end, you do get to see everyone. And we'll call that out there, I well, think, towards the very end. Some of them, like T-Hawk, where it was like at the very end, it was like, oh, that's what he's... Oh, he's a guy? Like, yeah. he's like, I just... I have a headband now. I was like, oh, T-Hawk okay. appears... Well, you know, and if we're going to get into that thing, that kind of detail, I think it's time we move on to our next segment. Now then, where are those hostages? Now, if we were talking about a video game, this is where we would take it level by level, but this is not. So, you know, for us film nerds out there, we are going to take this movie plot point by plot point. Ooh. So the film opens with a montage of uh, news cr- news crews and news reports, all from that one fictional news company. Yeah, GNT. GNT, yes. And from that, you learn a little bit about Shadaloo and the evil organization, the tyrant uh, M. Bison. And his, he's recently kidnapped a bunch of uh, I don't know, workers or general aid. Yeah, they're AN workers. Yeah. Yeah. So the AN is this uh, you know organization that is the UN. Yeah. And I'm not sure why they couldn't say UN, but it's I, the AN yeah. in this game. It, yeah. Because they roll in with guns and weaponry and yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Shadowloo. Now, is that from the games? Yeah, that's 
M. Bison's secret organization. Okay, that sounded familiar. So they got that. Yeah, but it seemed, in this, it seems to be like a country. Like, it looks like it's like the west half of Thailand or something like that map they show. Like, well, it's to me, he's weird. like a terrorist, and that's his. He's taken over a portion of, you know, that country, Thailand or whatever. So, you know, I think he's yeah. some sort of military despot that took that area over. Yeah, yeah, makes well, sense. Chun Li, she refers to it as, uh, she says that she's reporting from. Shadaloo City in Shadaloo in Southeast Asia. <laughs> yes. And then uh, that's the first in, of many people you meet right in the first five minutes. There's Chun Li. She is now a reporter. Yeah, I guess. I mean, and her crew is made up of uh, other famous members of the Street Fighter cast. Uh, well, you've got E Honda. Mm-hmm, and he's, uh, he's working the van, like the switchboards and yeah. whatever in the van. Mm hmm. And Balrog is the handheld camera guy. Yeah, he's your cameraman. Yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting crew. Yeah, um, they have a funny little moment where he's, well, no, that's later, but when they're talking about why they hate M. Bison, he's like, he discredited my sumo career. And then, uh, and then Balrog's Balrog like, yeah. is like, he discredited my boxing career. And they're just like, yeah, and so we hate him. <laughs> they hate him. <laughs> and M. Bison is, he's demanding $20 billion for these prisoners. Yeah. That's like, quite a lot of money, especially no, in 94. Yes. There was a point in this movie where I was like, what's he blowing up again? And I was like, oh, there's just hostages? I was like, $20 billion? Like, and it's not yeah. a lot of hostages. It's less than 100. I think it's like 63. Mm-hmm. But it's, man, yeah. they they really toss those prisoners, the hostages, into that hostage pit. They yeah. throw them down into that metal pit, onto yeah. that metal grate. Yeah. And it's, it is a pit that they keep them in very uh, hilariously. No, I, I totally forgot about the hostages every time. And then they would come back to them and I'm like, oh, right, right. Well, they threw them in the pit and then they just closed the doors and then it set the timer yeah. for 72 hours. Well, yeah. like we didn't Everyone, have to think about them. Definitely. Yeah. Everyone else has like a personal vendetta. So it's like, why do they even need the hostages? Couldn't he just have a nuclear missile or something? If, I don't right. know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So these demands are made by M. Bison cutting into... Uh, UN, an AN broadcast. Yeah, yeah. But the weird part is that then they start cutting back and forth and Guile is talking to M. Bison no. in a very illogical way that they're somehow cutting back and forth into the already hacked broadcast. No, no, no. No, what happens is uh, before M. Bison hacks into the broadcast, uh, Guile is already no, but then talking he... to him. M. Bison says something to Guile, which Guile then responds to, and M. Bison hears him. Yeah, I think because M. Bison can still see, you know what I mean? Like, But that's not how and... hacking a signal works. If you've hacked that signal, there is no other signal going on. No, he hacked it from the satellite. Like, they're still transmitting, but it's not right. transmitting to anywhere else is how I, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. what. I don't know, really. <laughs> it is It is hilarious, though, because it's just them talking, like, smack to each other over the telewaves. It like, is very odd and awkward, and I thought it was it was definitely worth calling out. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was part of Guile's plan, though. Well, you know, he doesn't have a plan yet. Uh, he just knows he has to get these hostages out of there. And then, inexplicably, during this conversation, he does give a shout-out to his close friend who was uh, kidnapped, which is a real, you know, jerk move. Oh, yeah, Charlie, yeah. Yeah, he basically gave Charlie the death sentence. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, uh, Carlos, Charlie, spoilers, Blanca, <laughs> yeah. he is taken away and put into some weird experimental super soldier program. It's like, what will happen? But Guile's plan is to get M. Bison to hack the signal and respond to him, you know, calling Bison out on like being a coward and all that right. stuff because he wants to 
trace it. Mm. Oh, oh that's right. Because then he's like, Cammy, get into the van. And she Well, there's jumps so in much the tracing going on in this film. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about it. Because this and is the first of the, the, the. Later, there's two people tracing one yeah, thing at the same signals, time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, everyone just gets tracked to the same place. Okay, but this is, the, this is the first. Uh, this is the first of the tracking missions where. <laughs> right. He he's goading and bison into hacking the signal so he can trace the but signal. But it, it doesn't matter because they can't trace it. He wasn't on long enough. He wasn't on long enough anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So once again, this is one of the also many times a, a technology is ex, as explained and brought out and then proven to be useless almost <laughs> instantly. Mm-hmm. But what's not useless is the experiments they're going to be performing on uh, Mr. Charlie there. And oh, who's yeah, doing yeah. it? Oh, well, it's. Dr. Dalsim himself. Yes, the man who never stretches once in this film. Or fights. No, and he doesn't fight either, which is really disappointing. Well, at the end, you know, when he gets exposed to these chemicals, I thought for sure that I was like, okay, this is where. He's going to breathe fire or something, but nope. No. No. He he is just a a scientist with a conscience, and he's held there against his will. And uh, you see that Charlie is going to be watching a bunch of like crazy stuff. I think we'll get into that later. But you know, basically, um, they're going to reprogram his brain and give him a bunch of crazy drugs to beef up his body. Yeah, they increase his muscle mass. Yeah, anabolic. What was it? Anabolic DNA mutagens. Was DNA one of the mutagens bags. Yeah, and yeah. anabolic liquid. Uh, it was oh man. <laughs> I know that one was green and one was orange, so that explains you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> a little foreshadowing there. A little foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. And then we cut right to you know the introduction of Ryu and Ken, but they don't know how to pronounce his name either in this film no i saw that um the guy who played ken like could not do it he could not say ryu right so right. that the director was like fine we'll just say ryu and then made everyone else go with it yeah so and the guy that played ken is wearing an outfit that makes him look like he just got off doing some stand-up yeah i hated that outfit so hard that weird vest he's wearing okay what? so no 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 so he comes out and he is rocking like the uh 90s like just kind of longish dude hair like mm-hmm. it doesn't even go past his ears or anything it's brown mm-hmm. uh he's got on a pattern tie over his denim shirt and his high-waisted jeans and then he has that brown suede vest mm-hmm. over it yeah he's really ugly it was. And, they're, and they're supposed to be like gun runner hustler <laughs> yeah. con men they are and that's what he's wearing he looks like dave coulier <laughs> So they get mixed up in, you know, they're kind of Robin Hood gun runners. They rip off the people that are supposed to be buying the guns. It's a big double cross. The, yeah. the bad guys use fake guns on them. It's really ridiculous. No, the fake guns were the gu- were the guns they were trying to sell them. Right, and but they didn't look like real guns, and they no, were still they fooled look, by them for a second. They shoot big ping pong or like ball Tennis things. Balls. Yeah, and Kid like and, and Ryu are, are totally fooled by them when they first see them, even though they're their own fake guns. <laughs> Very strange. But the one thing I wanted to call out was that they are then entered into you know a street fighting tournament. It's like the only cage fighting one-on-one tournament we will see for a long time. Yeah, you, you see, this is Vega comes out. He works but, for Saget. Yes, know. but most importantly, you finally get to realize that, yes, there is an underlying font to all of Shadowloo. Oh, yeah. Uh, people on the street signs, on handwritten signs. It's English, but with just a bunch of extra loops. Yeah, it looks places. like the like Sanskrit, or you know what I mean that they use that yeah. alphabet in uh, Southeast Asia. That's yeah, it's based off Indian languages, right? Like, yeah, yeah, spread out there. But... No, it's kind of like they do that with like Russian writing, where mm-hmm. they're like, "We'll just put it all in capitals and put like the K's backwards," and right. it's like that's not even what Cyrillic looks like. Yeah, 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 but it's all in English still. Yeah, and then I will say this: uh, Vega is yeah. great. He, yeah, looks he looks just like Vega. Yeah, he's he a good looks job. amazing. And, you, I, and his I was... stage. 
yeah to call you out by well, the way no exactly that's like this part was i was like here we go fight number one you're in vegas the stage sta- the stage is set there's crowds like pumping their fists up and down yeah this was it this is yeah, all you got this is it here we go him and uh ryu here we go first fight in the street fighter movie and uh Sadly, Ryu talks him out of using his signature claw, so right. that doesn't come into play. And then partway through the match, uh, it's all broken up because there's a curfew, and they are all violating curfew. And Guile rolls in <laughs> in his G.I. Joe tank. Yeah, it blasts through the wall and arrests everyone. And this is one of the many <laughs> times that everything looks like it's made of foam. Yeah, yeah. Every piece of that wall just bounced away like it was made of nothing. <laughs> and it just plowed through the crowd, too. Yeah, yeah. Just... Plowed right through him. And uh, Guile, again, only talks in cliches, says something about, like, you know, game over or time out or <laughs> who knows. And that's when we get to our next very complicated plan to be set in motion. With all those people uh, arrested, they're now at the AN camp. And Guile's uh, master plan is he needs to infiltrate Sagat's, I don't know, team? Yeah, his group. Was, to then infiltrate yeah. M. Bison's team. Yeah, so he like he comes up with the idea to get Ryu and Ken to secretly kind of get get Saga to trust them, and then they'll break out, and then you know leave these uh, tracers. You know they they all have trackers now, so that way they can get the signal to where Bison's uh, headquarters is located. Well, he befriends, uh, he guilts actually, I should say, Ken and Ryu into <laughs> yeah. working for him by showing sick people and hurt people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get uh, Sagat and the rest of the crew to trust them by murdering Guile himself. Yeah, they shoot him. Like, he steals a gun from one of the guards when they make their prison, they make a prison truck escape. Mm-hmm. And it's a horrible plan. This plan could go wrong in so many ways. And as it's going, I guess, correctly, plenty innocent AN soldiers are being, uh, their faces are smashed open. They're getting <laughs> shot. It, it's a horrifying you know, ordeal for the rest of them. Well, you were making an omelet. They do escape, and uh, there is a tracker on them, but there's also a second tracker put on them by Chun-Li. Yeah, yeah. By Chun-Li, who, as that truck, transport truck, is going by, she's, like, just standing off to the side of the road, but for some reason does a, like, jump somersault flip and throws a little tracker (laughs) when it was just going to drive right past her anyway, Mm -hmm. and she could have just tossed it in there. And then in a really weird touch, they bring out like a World War II stretcher to get Guile yeah. off the field. I, I was like, they don't have any better technology than that. Well, well, they really commit to his death in certain ways that I find hilarious. But Yeah. yeah Everyone's pretty do. sad. Uh, and then you find out that Chun-Li is actually a spy. And she's got to go steal some information or something. No, uh, they reverse tracking the tracking tracker and have to find its source. Well, the, yeah, they, they realize that they're like, there's another tracker so we're going to track where it's tracking from. So then she sneaks. But why it, would she do that? Inside the base. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Let's look. Never mind. We don't have to question those kinds of things. We don't know. Why, why anything? And then uh, she is in a ninja outfit with a fanny pack. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And she has like a ninja mask that doesn't cover any of her face. No, it's just a black no. outfit. And in, in the fanny pack, she has um, a, a tracking device like monitor. Mm-hmm. And so while she's sneaking around in the dark in this mm-hmm. military base, it's beeping Yeah, much like loudly. The, the alien's motion tracker. Yeah. 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 And then uh, when she wants to get a good look at something, she takes off the whole mask, showing every bit of the edge of her face that wasn't showing before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and, and she, she's there. She finds the source of the signal, and it's Guile. 
Yeah, in the morgue. Which is weird. Which laying, is laying motionless on he's... a slab covered in a sheet. And this has been hours. Yeah, it how seems long like. has he been in there? Like, that was really day. committed to that role where he's like, no, I'm dead. I'm going to lay here for hours. Yeah. And it... it didn't tell anybody. No. But he was actually trying to trap Chun Li, though. Oh, really? I, Maybe. Yeah. Well, and then yeah, they arrest he her in the most the haphazardly lame way. Yeah. It's like, yeah. come on, come on, you. Yeah. And uh, the character I didn't realize was T Hawk. Really. Right half-heartedly says to her as he leads her away to jail for being a, uh, a spy hey stop hey what a screw up oh <laughs> i was like what <laughs> no yeah because then uh she like ninjas out the door and he's like what a screw up and then guile's like what a woman yeah it's great it it's ins- yeah um so yeah she escapes Right before she escapes, though, because since she's in the AN like headquarters, uh, she she does encounter Cammy mm, in yeah. a hallway before she escapes. So, in my mind, I was like, "Here we go, street fight number two. Street fight number yeah, two. Yeah. The girls. No, and then no. Chun Li just jumps out a window. Right. No, they do a lot of that in the movie where you'd be like, "Oh, here's two people. They're squaring off. This, this is it. This fight time. And it's like, no, no, because <laughs> no. Why are you here? It cuts straight to the Sagat's camp. And some uh, belly dancers mm. that obviously they did not have a lot of time to prepare, and I don't think were actual belly dancers because none of them were in sync. No, I wasn't even paying attention. Well, yeah, because we were so mesmerized by the other performers, yeah, which was Chun Li and the news crew, E Honda and Balrog, which were like the Bellini brothers' magic. Yeah, it was pretty goofy. You did for a second before this get to see the word Capcom on a barrel lid. Though. Yeah, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, that was like one of the. Very few video game Easter eggs thrown in there. Oh man, I like they're also circus people, they have circus powers too. Now yeah. they can do magic tricks, yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah, they rehearsed all of that, and uh, for this very purpose that they would go to some bad guy's tent, I guess. Yeah, and honestly, I don't really even remember what happened there. My notes are a little vague, I just know that at some point, um, uh, some point there's a, a kerfluffle, people accuse other people of being spies and not spies, uh, there's an explosion, and the explosion is then seen from space by the satellite, <laughs> which can zoom in to people's faces and then ID them. Very high tech. And then people just fast travel to the next plot point because there's no travel in this film. People just appear in new places yeah, yeah. like when they need to. Yeah. So we've had a lot of time with M. Bison and Sagat and they almost killed each other, but then they didn't. Yeah, because Sagat was pretty angry at M. Bison for trying to pay him in Bison dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is where you start to really, you see his like plan where they're in that room with that big city model of mm-hmm. Bisonopolis. And, you know, he's talking about I, all this crazy, like, it, it's great, man. It's like A-plus supervillain. Like, yeah. Actually, I have a little clip here for he's you. He's going to lead the world into uh, Pax Bisonica. <laughs> Pax Bisonica. This money isn't worth the paper it's printed on. On the contrary, every bison dollar will be worth five British pounds. For that is the exchange rate the Bank of England will set once I've kidnapped their queen. Why didn't you just kidnap the queen now? So, so many things. Yeah. <laughs> so many things. It's I mean, complicated. They moved to the base. Somehow the AN has figured out where that base is due to the explosion and then people moving there uh it, it's hard to no, say the trackers, Ryu. yeah the trackers ryu ryu and ken ryu have ken. one. Oh, there's one they're, on they're ryu being and ken. tracked yeah. that's why they were they were sorry they act like they're working with saget's guys 
Well, they imprison Chun Li, um, Balrog, and Honda. No, and... they don't. They don't imprison Chun Li. Well, okay. They send her to Bison's chambers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, she yes, gets they the special do. treatment. And E Honda and Balrog get sent down to the torture chamber or the interrogation room, which is a dungeon with a, a sweaty barbarian torturing yeah. them. Yeah, a German bar- <laughs> a German man. <laughs> Hilarious. And then we also get a nice cutback to the AN base. And at this point, um, three new characters enter the film, which are like the upper crust, stiff, uh, uh, security council, security council guy. people, <laughs> yeah, the Walter Pecks of the film, <laughs> and the the main guy is like the most British cartoon of all time. Yeah, he's funny, and I guess they order Guile to not go and save everyone. He's literally just about to. Like he has everyone lined up. They have this big plan now. They're like, we have the location. We're going to move in. Where he even explains it, where he's going to take that super boat mm-hmm. as a distraction while uh, Captain Sawada leads the main uh, amphibious invasion force from the north. Now, that was supposed to be a helicopter raid in the oh, script. yeah. But they could not get permission to fly. <laughs> well, I mean, helicopter, yeah, I guess that would be cooler, but yeah, either no way. way, dude. The Those rubber dinghies, like, <laughs> yeah. those inflated rafts, yeah. those are those so are badass. Insane. Yeah, and then on top of that, the AN was just going to pay the $20 billion. No, they were going to negotiate. Well, either way, you don't negotiate with terrorists. No. I mean, that's just like the <laughs> I know the, the rule forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you think that maybe Guile is just going to stand down. But no. He gives a very stirring speech. Yeah, he And does. he tells them, we're going up the river with his American <laughs> flag patch in full view. Mm-hmm. Um, to kick Bison's ass. Yeah. And then they get in the stealth boat. And very stealthy, man. This is the stupidest thing ever. First of all, why do we need us? Why do they need a stealth boat? It's an invisible boat, man. Well, it's not even stealth radar. It's stealth invisibility. Yeah, it's so weird. And it, then it's entirely useless. It's like, foiled immediately. Like a th- twenty <laughs> seconds into its use. Yeah, it, it is. They see. They see the explosions it caused. No, yeah, they see the explosions it caused, then and they see the the, the wake. wake in the river. And they're like, there must be an invisible boat there. Let's blow up all the mines. Well, yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll use sonar. Right. And then they were like, oh, there's a boat. Like, oh, how did they come up with this brand new sonar technology for finding boats, man? Bison's got his finger on the pulse. Also, why, he when is- they go into stealth mode, does everyone act like they're shocked? Like like electrically shocked on the boat. They're like, uh, they yeah. glitch for a second. Like it's gone over them and it's changed it them. It feels weird, man. And they had to, they're all wearing helmets with visors and the visors right. are up the whole time. But as soon as they're going into stealth mode, they just put their shaded visors down over yeah. their eyes. And it was very odd. I don't know what difference odd. that would make. Well, and everyone <laughs> assumes that they are, they are killed when all those uh, explosions go off. But they were actually, they let us know they were going to jump out ahead of time. Yeah, they yeah. master plan. So that way no one would be even be the least bit worried in yeah, the audience. Yeah, see, I feel like that's a pretty true thing to uh, its true source material, which is G.I. Joe. Yeah, yeah, for real. Uh, then we are in... Well, in Bison. Hang on a second, because uh, we're talking about the mines going mm-hmm. off. And oh, Bison yeah. is manually doing that Yes, and how- on his... Oh, his yeah. control panel. His control panel, yes. which is just like an arcade control panel. It has the six buttons and a joystick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I was laughing out loud. Uh, it's awesome. I love that. Uh, that he's like, nope, I'm rigging it up. I only need six buttons and a joystick, of course. Like, I mean, that'll. They, they, had, all they had mouses for computers at this point. They know? did. 
And he's really jamming on those buttons too, like he's actually oh, doing. He, stuff. he does look like he's but doing it, combos or something. Yeah, right. but it's just mines just being released from their anchors, <laughs> floating up. Like that's not action. And then we cut to M. Bison's bedroom, which is very bizarre. It has a a clown painting of M. Bison in it. In the background. Yeah. In the background. It does. Yeah. It was really weird. It's very creepy. I'm not. I'm not afraid of clowns or creeped yeah. out by them, but it, it's a very strange choice. Is yeah. this? Is this where he has that? Painting like the Napoleon one, mm-hmm. where he's up on the yeah. horse, yeah, like, he's as got well. That, yeah, that painting too. And he, and so, he's into some weird stuff because he confronts uh, Chun Li in there, and she's chained. But oh, he doesn't confront her. No, he he casually walks in and begins true. his seduction of her. Well, he unrobes. Well, he behind a behind like dis, a, a fancy screen. He no, disrobes. This, this is one of my and favorite. <laughs> and he, he takes off each piece of armor and it's all clanky. It's really quite hilarious. Yes. No, it is. And because he, he's behind one of those screens and he's yeah. like in a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He takes his shoulder pieces off and it's like he has his hat rack there with his different bad guy color, color hats, hats and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Great, man. I and love it. And then he enrobes in a like a smoking sexy, robe. silky, yeah, like yeah. smoking robe, changes his hat to one that matches. Yeah. And continues his seduction of Chun-Li. And the but, smoking robe still has, like, shoulder plates and stuff. Like, it's like a M. Bison smoking robe. It, yeah. It's really awesome. Well, I'm sure they had to build him up, though, because he was so, like, yeah. gaunt yeah. and wasted away. But this scene is a little awkward, but, you know, uh, Chun-Li's having none of it. She's ready, She's there to kick his ass. It's, it's more than a little awkward. Chun-Li does uh, give a nice little bit of backstory about herself, and then she reveals that she can break her bonds at any time, and she does, and then does an awesome Chun-Li kick yep. at M. Bison. Into his face. So then, here we go. Fight. Yeah. M. Bison and Chun-Li. Yeah. No. Bunch of kicks, dude. Flurry of kicks, but it's not a fight. No. You, no. Get, you get some cool kicks, but M. Bison is into some weird, freaky stuff, because he has a, a weird plexiglass chamber built into his bedroom, which he ducks into and shuts. Yeah, it's like a panic room. Yeah. Yeah. And... uh. Chun Li's buddies roll in to help her out, but luckily for M. Bison, he also frequently gasses people in his bedroom. <laughs> it's his Hits last line of defense, man. And gas fills the room, and our heroes are knocked out. Not killed, knocked out. So I'm pretty sure it's like Rohypnol gas or some kind of roofy oh, gas. So he, well. he probably needs that. I also laugh because it's like E Honda, right? He was getting like his back beaten with those like sticks and stuff, mm-hmm. and he's got those big scars, right? But he. His, they didn't take his shirt off. They just ripped the back off. He's still wearing it. Like, it's this big backless shirt. It looks hilarious. Like, yeah. I didn't know it until he turned around, and I was like, oh. Well, like, remember when, take he's, it off. when he's receiving those blows, and he doesn't cry out. Oh, no. Balrog is, like, right there mm-hmm. watching it all happen. He's like, man, how did you not cry out? And he's like, I'm sumo. My mind goes somewhere else. It, like, leaves my body. Yeah. In response to this, Balrog says, well, next time, tell your mind to bring a pizza when it comes back. <laughs> Oh, yeah. After watching his friend get tortured. Yeah. Flogged. Flogged. Whipped. He's, he's lightening in a dungeon. it up, man. He's, you know, trying to take his mind off it. Mm. And this is where the film really starts ramping it up. You know, things are happening at a breakneck speed at this point. And we had come back from dinner, and it was a great place to come back. Because now, you know, the uh, the three AN heroes you thought were dead have now shown up at the weird temple that is on top of M. Bison's base. And, yeah, yeah. And this is where we find out who this previously unknown AN officer is, and that it's T-Hawk. Right. Because we get some exposition where Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Guile, as we watch him sneaking from a distance, we just get this voiceover where Guile's like, hey, I like your headband. What is that about? 
And yeah. then T Hawk explains like, well, I'm a Native American, and blah, 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 blah. and that's when I went, and, oh, that's T Hawk, and oh, that's T Hawk. Right. And literally right before that, I was like, who is this guy, <laughs> well, this rando who gets to tag along for all this major stuff? It's T Hawk. And right before that, I do want to point out there is some really, really strange music played when the heroes are traveling to their final uh, destination for this fight. It is some really wacky music that does not fit the scene it, at yeah, all. Yeah, the music's kind of strange in certain parts. I feel and, like and, they're, they're uh, trying to make it like a danger zone, like yeah. a Top Gun danger zone. But while that song. music's going on, you know, Guile pulls out a mini uh, videotape. Well, no, yeah. when they're and then the watches video a video of what was that? Like it was like a, his the, wife the and Charlie. Like, like his and, wife and Charlie and Charlie's spouse or something. Oh. And I'm guessing they get killed by bison. Well, all I know is that's the thing I want to watch when I go into battle. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> yeah. You got to remember, man. And force the other two people in the cockpit to watch it, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The awkward. They're like, hey, we have our own videos to watch. Like, I know. We also have vendettas against bison. Or do they? And you know what's weird about T-Hawk is, you know, it's like, yeah, he's Native American, but I'm pretty sure he's Mexican. Well, and he, I mean, like, he's just, this, and I'm pretty know. sure he's ripped in the games well, too. He's also well, like eight feet tall, but yeah. <laughs> well, no one is as ripped as they should be in this movie. Nobody is ripped. So except for Guile. And one of the weird things is, is that, you know, the only reason we know we have T-Hawk and Cammy now is because they've inexplicably just taken their shirts off. Oh yeah. Well, this yeah. is the point in the film where everybody suits up. Kind of. We're slowly seeing yeah. getting, Cammy getting takes closer. off her normal shirt and she's like, well, I'm tank topping it from this point in. Yep. Bright blue tank top and uh, her hair or her hair. It's like in those it was boxer always braids. In those braids. Yeah. So. Boxer braids are, are down now. Mm-hmm. Chun-Li's in her outfit with the buns. Yeah. It's yeah. red, sadly, not blue. Right. Yeah. Right. Because Bison dressed her like that. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> uh, then we cut back to Blanca and um, Delcim has managed to. Wait, we didn't know it was Blanca yet. Okay. So right. we cut back to oh, Charlie spoilers. in the experiment. True. And Delcim has managed to. Uh, Switch over right at the correct moment when there's fifty one percent left of brain yeah. changing. Yeah, they're they're clockwork oranging him to make him the most you know in, indestructible fighter, like the most vicious. So he's getting shown all these. Ah, I mean, I guess not shown. They're being downloaded or something. Like who knows? It looks like they're being shown though. Yeah, there's like putting a goggles in yeah. front of his eyes. And so he switches it over to like the nice programming, which is hilarious. Where it's like weddings. Uh, not only is it weddings. It's uh, predominantly African American weddings and Martin mm. Luther King and speeches. Martin Luther oh, yeah. King speeches. So many of them for, shown for so long that they had to credit the the Martin Luther King oh, Association really? or whatever at the, during the credits. Awesome. And then right in the middle, a dolphin. Yeah, I remember the dolphin too. I was like, hey, dolphins are they're nice. It was the nineties. It was really weird. Dolphins were big. Yeah. So you know, the other one thing I wanted to point out was that. Uh, we, we, you know, I, I really forgot to mention it. I, I love the stealth thing so much that when the stealth boat is detected, there's like a, a sound effect where it's like stealth mode detected inside the stealth boat. Yeah, that's how like, good it is. They know man. when they're being detected. It knows what you know. It does. So we're back in M. Bison's base and time is now up. You know, the hostages are going to be killed if he hasn't been paid his money. And he goes to check his bank account, his Swiss bank yeah. account. And it's at zero. And... His computer system is is programmed to make a weird buzzer sound, like an error, when it shows that zero. It's like, eh, zero dollars. Yeah, and who's checking the account balance? DJ. DJ. Yeah, this is hilarious, too, because, okay, we didn't really mention this yet, but M. Bison has Zangief and DJ as, like, his minions, you know? Which, why is DJ that? Like, he's a good guy in the game. Right. And Balrog's a bad guy who works for M. Bison. 
Like right. they switched them both. Like it's so weird. But either way, um, DJ's hilarious. Actually, and so is Zangief. He's he he he's one of the best cast. He looks a lot. He looks just like him. Yeah, he does. At first, he's wearing this like jumpsuit thing, mm-hmm. and then you know he takes a uh, Ryu and Ken around to the sparring chamber where they get these um, outfits that look you know red and white. Like, yeah, they yeah. get red and white geese. Yep. But this also um, it foreshadows like going through that locker room area because somebody else is gonna suit up to look like their game character, Balrog. Oh yeah. He just inexplicably all of a sudden oh, has yeah. on that Later, blue boxer yeah. outfit. And yeah, and gloves. he has boxing. He finds boxing gloves yeah. somewhere. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It's in, it must have been in that uh, locker room that they had like walked through. And sometime in this part, we see you know spoilers. Blanca emerge from his shell and. What a disappointing reveal. Oh, he looks he looks like his green skin reminds me of the Incredible Hulk show. Mm-hmm. Like it really just looks like this. And his face paint. looks like the character The Mask. Not <sighs> the Jim Carrey character, but the facially deformed character from the Cher movie. He's bizarre. No, and, and no he looks like uh he looks like uh uh that caveman lawyer. Unfrozen Only caveman unfrozen lawyer. Unfrozen caveman lawyer. Yeah. That's what he looks like. And Green. so while we were watching him being formed, we learned that he had over 200% muscle mass of a human. Yeah, they increased it all. Yeah, so he's super but you, strong. But you can't see it. And I mean, no. you, you might also... He looks also... exactly the same as when he went in. Well, there's also, um, like, he doesn't have, like, claws or anything. Like, he's no. just a dude. Like, it, he it never really face. shows there's a, there's electricity stuff going on all around him. So I thought maybe we'd at least get that once, but I know like he doesn't do a role or anything. He just and I, I just don't understand why if they're going to put things on his face to make his face look different, why not get a larger actor to now play this character? Well, you know they wanted to really most of that muscle mass he gained was on his face. So yeah, two hundred percent of the a, normal human's face muscles. Buff, I will say this: muscles. How did? Uh, Guile, no, that was Charlie. Like instantly, you knew right away. He's like Charlie. Oh no! Well, I mean, he was about to shoot him for it, right? <laughs> no, no, he was about to shoot him after he knew it was no, yeah, Charlie. Yeah. After he finds out to it's put Charlie, him out of his misery. But Dalsim steps in and and has some sort of like really poignant line about yeah. men and monster. Yeah, he's like, who knows? Yeah, well, he's like, I helped create this, so. And then at this point is when Bison wants to kill the hostages with Blanca. No, wait. At this point. This is where, when we see Dalsim, isn't he look like Dalsim now? No, he never does. No, he no, does. No, he not does. yet. Oh, not That's yet. after okay. the the end. That's after oh, the fire. Okay. Sorry, sorry. So M. Bison is going to kill the hostages. And, of course, instead of um, shooting them, because a firing squad would be too dignified yeah, for them, yeah. he's going to unleash a monster on them. And he's going to bring Blanca and his pod up from the underground. Of course, Guile gets in this pod to, you know, foil him. Yeah, he's in that room, so... But before, you know, uh, the doors open, this cool sword fence like oh, appears, yeah, yeah. you know, as a pathway between the pod and the poor victims. Mm-hmm. It's Very weird. awesome. And of course, Guile kicks his way out of he that pod. He flying out like Luke Hang style. It's like, awesome. It's, yeah, it's pretty sweet. And then uh, we see people fighting all throughout the complex. This is when you have your big finale. Uh, Honda, I think, punches through a wall. At some point here, I think Whoa. he pushes Zangief through it because Zangief yeah. and and Honda they start face getting off. into it, yeah, and and they have a fight that is beyond ridiculous. Well, they're they're mostly just grabbing each other and running through walls or doors mm-hmm. and stuff. And there is that funny part where you see on like the security camera, yeah, 
and it's like them fighting, but they're in the Bisonopolis set, so it makes like Godzilla noises. It does use the official like, Godzilla yeah, noises, it's so I like funny, that. But... Right? Yeah, it's that uh, Captain Captain Sawada. They're mm-hmm. like looking at the uh, okay. like security yeah um, display, and uh, he and like some other Japanese uh, AN soldiers, and they're yeah they're playing like the Godzilla sound effects as. Zangief and E Honda are like stomping through the the city model yeah. of Bisonopolis. So wacky, but now it's like this weird where Bison, or I'm sorry, Guile. At some point, you know, he meets up with Ryu and Ken. He tells them he's like, "Go, uh, find the hostages." Right. And Ken wants to bail, which he does, kind mm-hmm. of. He does, and then you finally get your your first face off between Bison and Guile. Yeah, yeah, and it's. Pretty cool. I you know they face off in a Street Fighter ish fashion, and mm-hmm. there's some good you know cheesy dialogue back and forth. Sure, mm-hmm. it's a really quick and short fight. Uh, Guile makes quick work of M. Bison and and knocks him into a giant wall of monitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a control, he lands on a control panel and sparks fly and electricity mm-hmm. zaps him. And then uh, M. Bison's suit goes through his resurrection protocol. Yeah, it has a weird yeah, which with a display on this nearby monitor just so you know what's up. Yeah. Uh, I kind of loved it though. Yeah, it, yeah. It starts giving him CPR and yeah. you just see like the chest <laughs> and like defibrillizes him. Yeah. And then it also gives him adrenaline shots mm-hmm. in the heart. In which the, the heart. monitor displays a, mm-hmm. it yeah, shows there's... a big syringe <laughs> pointed at a heart. And then we cut right back to uh Ryu and he is now fighting Sagat. And Vega in the locker room. Yeah, uh, Ken sees him on a security video, and he's like, oh, no. He's like, watch out. He's trying to use the CB or whatever, the mic, to talk to him. He can't, so he goes back to help him, and they fight. And why am I so sad that Ryu loses his shirt in this part? (laughs) Because now he just looks like Liu Kang. Yeah. Or Fei Long, the one guy who's not in the movie. Right. Yeah, that's true. Like, you just look like a Bruce Lee dude. Like, what? (laughs) It was disappointing, for sure. But Vega is fighting with his claws, and... In that fight, that is, I think that is the best, uh, like live action characterization yeah. of any any of the fighters, Agreed. any of the street fighters. Like he does the rolls and stabs with the claws, and actually, so this is the first time we see him fight with the claws. Um, besides, like in the very beginning when he right. gets introduced in that cage fight, but. He does fight a little bit when they're all in prison. Oh yeah, with his little bamboo claws. And he has those bamboo claws that he like made just to use in prison. Like you've been there one day. Yeah. And he has like those like bamboo claws, like somehow like palm fronds like holding them together. So impractical and but I mean I was reading that that most of that fight was shot after it was reshoots that the director did when he was like, They're not using any moves, like I have to get this one. That's why that's where you see a, a Hadoken. Yeah, in a hurricane kick, but the Hadoken just looks like him hitting him, and there's a, a little flash because he's like, by the time we were done, they were out of uh, either time or money, so they couldn't do the Hadoken effects. It was time. They finally, it was yeah, because back then time. you had to hand animate each frame. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So the unfortunate, he tried. Good on you, D'Souza. Yeah, somewhere in here you see uh, Guile do some. He does jump several, actually. That are yeah, he does his like moves. sonic kicks. Yeah, yeah so that was pretty cool. Flash yeah. kicks, yeah. So uh, Ken joins the fight, and and together they get the upper hand, beat up the bad guys, and go find some more hostages to help get out. And then we have the real final showdown between M. Bison and Guile. And this is when you get some of the best lines from Raul Julia. Oh, yeah, yeah. He talks about the fact that his suit was powered by electromagnetism, 
such as his flying uh, chair thing we forgot to mention earlier. Oh, he, yeah. He stole from Bowser. <laughs> yeah. he, he calls it his desk. He does call it a desk. It is kind of a desk, you know. And then it does make me kind of, you know, start to question, like, if you have electromagnetic technology to this degree, why are you buying these cheap guns from this other guy? Uh, when, you know, there's no reason to think about that. <laughs> uh, instead, you get M. Bison in his full form from the comics. You get uh, yeah, yeah. his, you know, flying for, uh, ability. He does. A, I mean, he's not flaming. He doesn't have flaming fists, but he has like lightning shots. So mm-hmm. that's something. And he does get these psycho power lightning things kind of later in series. So, yeah, it's not bad. The lightning does look awful, though. I will admit <laughs> to that. Like it is. It is some of the worst lightning. It looks worse than the Emperor. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I agree. It reminds me of uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Definitely. Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> but of course, uh, Guile summons one last super kick and then kicks him so hard that he's dead. And that's the one that we see in classic JCVD. In all of his movies, he always has at least one slow-mo kick. Right. From Shown from different angles. And, and it's usually the finisher. He gets that in. Oh, yeah. And he says, Bison, you're off the air. <laughs> it's wonderful. That doesn't fit with any of his other one-liners because he keeps making, like, uh, collections jokes. Well, like he makes when he, a repo. <laughs> well, he, when he first shows up uh, busting out of uh, Blanca's uh, pod or whatever, he what does he say to Bison? He is like, I'm the Daxman. And I'm and here I'm, to put you out of business. I'm here to put you out of business. <laughs> and then earlier he says to Sagat, he says like, Sagat's like, you can't do this. I own this town. And he says, well, I am the repo man and I'm here to close your business. Well, that's what <laughs> he says. Yeah, cl- yeah. Either way, they don't yeah. make sense. It doesn't make sense. Okay. So now he's off the air. He's off the air. You cut to, you know, the rest of the crew still fighting a little bit. You get to see a, a, a hundred hand slap. Yeah, that's true. So I was loving that. Was that yeah? And everyone at this point has now, you know, shed whatever clothing they need to, or put on whatever clothing they need to, to be their true self. Yeah, Zangief has part. lost his shirt. Yeah, yeah, he's got like he even has the chest hair I and the scars. Kind of I thought Zangief looked awesome. Zangief was the best. Yeah, he has a great line there at the end where he's like, "What? M. Bison was a bad guy." Yeah, he's like, "But why do you <laughs> work for him?" It's like you paid me so well, and he's like, "You got paid." It reminded me of, uh, see if you know what this is from, but yes, Zangief is bad guy, but Zangief is not bad guy. <laughs> that's some uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's what exactly what he sounded like. And then earlier, do you remember, uh, Zangief has the best line when uh, the the Shadowloo or uh, the, the M. Bison camp is going to get blown up mm-hmm. and they can see it on the monitors right. in the news oh, van yeah. and Zangief goes like, oh my God. Change the channel, quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, to me, Zangief was the the uh, ogre from Revenge yeah, of the Nerds yeah, character of the film. That kind of vibe. And the vibe and that, that same character arc, if you really think about it. Yeah, yeah. And then at this point, you know, everyone has uh, come out. Guile is apparently dead. The whole place blows up. And explosions everywhere. Uh, the explosions look pretty good in this film. I'll give them that. Yeah. Before Guile is blown up. He has a little scene with Charlie and Dalsim. Yeah, yeah. And now Dalsim looks in his full form. He's got the weird rings on his uh, arms okay, and his okay. neck. And he's like, I'm going to take Charlie and be safe or whatever. And then they also die in the explosion. Well, it also uh, – bef- so when we see Dalsim in his like actual Dalsim form, mm-hmm. 
um, what led to that happening is because before he's wearing like white lab coat stuff and he's got the shackles on his wrists and neck, you know, that bison put him in. Well, then he like, you know, falls on a console and like gets zapped or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. also the bags of uh, anabolic oh, juice okay. and DNA mutagen, Fall on they him. land on him. So I saw that and I was like. Oh my gosh! Well, it's specifically landing on his arms, so we're gonna see that. Yeah, yeah. I really thought it was going somewhere. Yeah, but the only the result of that is just that uh, for some reason his hair is all gone and his shirt is gone. Yeah, and he still has the shackles on. Yes. Yeah, and then but he, they're broken. Yeah, and then he and he and Blanca decide to go off. But uh, they're still in that building when it explodes. Yeah, yeah. I deep, thought it was implied the they were, were getting out by themselves because, there. I mean, Guile made it out and he was in the same room to well, talk to him. And that's right. the thing is, you know, there's all these explosions. The place is falling apart. The Aeon soldiers won. They're leading their prisoners away. And everyone's like, oh, where's Guile? He didn't make it. Oh, no. And then, of course, walks out through the, uh, the haze oh, of the yeah. smoke. But there was really no reason or way he would have survived that he was like at the bottom level when that thing exploded yeah oh yeah yeah and then everyone jumps in the air and that's the end of the movie yeah there's a great freeze frame and you hear um that wacky uh Indian announcer say good morning shadaloo yeah that was like a good morning vietnam joke right like that's what i think very oddly yeah. yeah like i was like what and uh that freeze frame means the movie's done cut to credits you have a nice early uh 90s rap soundtrack yeah. And then if you wait long enough, there's a post credit sequence. Yeah. So what's up with this? I, I, I didn't know I, about this. You guys didn't know, did you? No, no. We had no clue. We didn't watch it. Well, it, we actually, it's funny enough because let that play for quite a while. And I was like, God, this sucks. Like, I hate this music. And I turned it off. Like, it, you know, I was probably really close to it. Probably because what you hear is this. So their batteries are recharging. This is all happening on a broken screen. One solar battery online. One solar battery online. Oh, nice. The, yeah. The Dr. Evil Lair voice. To activate I did like that voice. System activated. I see a hand come up. Good morning, General Bison. What is your menu choice for today? And now you see a mouse clicking through like world domination folder, new plans, <laughs> du, 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 du. and it's like literally he's like planning new plan 2.0 world domination. Does he have a meta human folder in there too? Pretty much so. <laughs> they did not have that on the end of the theatrical release because you know out of respect for Raul Julia, of course there would not be a sequel. Right, right. But it was included on the home release. Okay. So enjoy. Behold the face of your destruction and of my victory. All right, guys, here we are in the final portion of our show, the review section. And of course, we use this weird made up system I just uh, made up a while ago. It has four <laughs> categories, and each category can have zero to five points. Uh, they are loosely based on our real categories. So we'll start with effects and sound. All right, guys, I gave this game a 2.0. Okay. Uh, I gave it a 2.5. And Abby? Uh, I guess a 1.5. Oh, Ooh. bummer. I mean, I said the martial arts are, are you know, not too bad. Like, when you do They're have the right. fight scenes, it's pretty serviceable, and the explosions are pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, average 90s action kind of cheesy movie. Uh, yeah. It was all right in that way. Now, the lightning does look pretty awful, 
and everything mm-hmm. does look pretty cheap, yeah. but you know, that's why I didn't go above 2.0. I think my big thing was all of the, uh, the monitors mm-hmm. and, um, in, in like the very beginning when they have like the montage, like the newsreel, it's just like a teeny tiny, um, like monitor screen. Like yeah, in it the looks middle very of the, cheap. yeah, it looks, it looks so cheap. And like the when they're like storming up the river, it's like the AN, like these are the allied nations of the world using and inflatable they just, boats. They just have inflated rafts. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That that was That's pretty lame. Pretty cheap. Yeah. All right, Abby. What did you rank this uh, movie in game similarity? I probably would give it a two. I also gave it a two. I said that by the end, almost everyone is in their exact costume from the film. Yeah, I mean, I give it a 1.5 because I'm like, they do have a few like moves in the outfits and stuff. But for the most part, it's just like all the fights are just like that generic mm-hmm. 90s martial arts. So I'm like, yeah, in, but you uh, do get to see a few of their moves. Yeah, yeah. A few, yeah, there's some. And I mean, I gave the only actually the only reason I didn't give it a one was because of that last fight with Vega and mm-hmm. Ryu, where it's like the dude, the one they shot where I was like, hey, oh, they're actually doing the moves. They look just like Vega. It looked really good. Like, so I give them that. I think they did a good job of like setting the stages. Like there were plenty of times where I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like a stage, not like exactly like a stage right. in, in, in the game, but, but I'm what... like, this looks like it would be a stage. So I thought that was pretty cool. Can we also talk about how it's what things are dissimilar from the game? Okay. Like what, what character from the movie do you think was the least like their character, but in a like disappointing way? Well, I don't really have enough attachment or knowledge of the Street Fighter characters to really say. Um, it's, I, yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, because they're all so far away from them that I mean, we really only saw four of them ever do any of the moves or fight like their actual character. Yeah. Did you have a one that was really disappointing for you? I was really let down by Sagat. Yeah. Actually, because I mean, he's just he he just wears a suit. The whole film. I mean, he has an eye patch. I guess it looks that, good. I like yeah, the eye patch. Eye patch is pretty good. But I mean, yeah, he's just like wearing a suit the whole time, and that's just not. No, you me, don't see any Muay guy. Thai. That's and for sure. Yeah, as one of my favorite Street Fighter characters, I was like, like him and Ryu, and you know, they have like their story and with Ken and all this. But it's like, nah, that's not even, not even mentioned. I, Secondary like, at best. I remember thinking um, in Star Trek Part Six. You remember General Chang, mm-hmm. the bad guy Klingon with the eye patch? Like he, yeah, the I remember thinking, I was like, that dude looks like Sagat. Like when I saw that movie, like. I was real into it, and maybe he would have been, you know, at least taller. I don't know. Hey, you know what? But, you know, no knocks on. Yeah. You always have the undiscovered country. (laughs) Always. (laughs) All right. Next up is the challenge to watch factor. And I gave this another 2.0. Okay. I didn't think it was that hard at all. I mean, it had just enough cheesiness in it and enough, uh, you know, goofy things happening from time to time that. I, I was engaged. I wasn't too bored by it. I, I gave it a four because I was really bored at certain points. Like like these ridiculous plans and tracking tracers, like where it was like they, when they go to the raid bison's thing, mm-hmm. it's only like it's halfway through the movie. It's like 45 minutes in or a little more. You know what I mean? Where I right. was like, okay, this is going to be a big final fight, but it just keeps dragging out where I was like, I just wanted more action and less like, I don't know. Um I just think that this movie, they could have cut about a half hour out of it, mostly off the front half, probably. I mean, again, I know that it wasn't D'Souza's idea, you know, where they kept cramming more stuff in to, to work in. But I'm like, yeah, 
a lot of this didn't need to be here because it didn't pay off. I gave it a 3.5. I thought it was pretty difficult because of all of the uh, like voiceovers. There were two different voiceovers. There mm-hmm. was yeah. the uh, whatever computer voice and uh, Bison's hideout. There's the radio voiceover guy just thrown in details. Yeah, at the camp, at the AM camp. Yeah, and then all of the dialogue in the movie is, it's all exposition. It's just <laughs> it explained. Truly is. <laughs> it's all exposition. This is just what we're doing, unless it's some cheesy line. And yeah. then those lines don't make sense and they're not delivered well. So. <laughs> but they are fun. And in my defense, I, funny, I did yeah. eat dinner about halfway through the film. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not like a horrible, I'm not, I don't no, know. No, but there are plenty of times where I did like exclaim out loud when something stupid happened that I was challenged in those moments. <laughs> and finally, we have theme and fun. Uh, and I gave this a 3.5. Okay. You're, you're a Street Fighter fanatic, huh? Uh, I wouldn't say fanatic, but. I would. Uh, I really liked the idea of this movie, and I liked where it was going. And while I realized it never actually got there, I liked the place as it went. It was, it was just goofy enough, and its tone was just off enough that I, I liked it. I'm not a huge fan of Street Fighter, so I wasn't offended by anything. Right, right. And I, I did get to see everyone in their costumes, you know, at least like for a few moments towards yeah, the end. Yeah. Uh, see, I gave it a 2.0 um, because I feel like even with you know, okay. This movie is an all right '90s action movie that you know it's. It doesn't even like bother me that it's not loyal to Street Fighter stuff because it, honestly, most of Street Fighter stuff's not that cool, you know, mm-hmm. backstories. But I feel like I wish it was a little funnier and, and and more campy in a way. Like okay, the parts where it's like like half of it's trying to be a goofy movie and half of it's trying to be like a little more serious, which I think comes through from the you know the cinema or the I'm sorry the martial arts director dude. Right. Yeah. The, so I'm I'm in the D'Souza camp. I wish he would have won out. We would have got more Street Fighter goofy moves instead of it, you know what I mean, half being like uh, Commando or something, you know? Right. And Abby? So I think I would give it a, a three for theme and fun. It is fun and funny mm-hmm. to watch, and it is, it's just, you know, bright colors. Yeah, it is really, really bright. That does help. Yeah, And yeah. the slowness is in the first quarter to half of the movie. So therefore, you know, once you're getting tired of it, it does keep the pace up. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. But okay, so for me, the fun was diminished anytime the violence, um, you know, wasn't limited to just the Street Fighter main right. character people. Like anytime it was like I don't know, like you're reminded in like the the news reports and stuff like that, where it's There's like, like an army of guys with guns. Yeah, I'm like I don't care about that. Like mm-hmm. that that that's not fun. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Well, Nick and Abby, I must ask you, should you watch this film? Let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. Yes. yes. Oh, good. I also said yes. Yeah. I think it's weird, fun, and it's the it's the good kind of bad. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's yeah, it's super cheese, and I mean, it's like it's close enough that it could have been a, a like a more wacky, interesting movie. I think mm-hmm. like you know, there's 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 some good stuff in there. Yeah, I think you should definitely watch it. I think it's um it's part of like the cultural zeitgeist for being you know based on like a really big video game that's still around this movie came out 20 years ago we're still talking about it and i think it's worth it just for guile's wonderful (laughs) one-liners yeah wonderful wonderful yeah i mean anyone should watch uh, any jcvd stuff yeah and i hear it's better than uh the legend of chun Li, which came out what 10 years ago or something well hopefully this doesn't get too popular because i'm not sure i want to watch that one. i don't yes No. no Straight to my feet. Straight to my feet. Straight to my feet. The music makes 
Next week's game will be... Golden Axe for Sega Genesis. So grab a controller, find a copy of this game any way you can, and play along, Cartridge Commandos. And remember, folks, if there's anything big we missed or things we got wrong, kindly let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com, and we might address it in the future. Thank you so much for listening. Please check us out on Twitter at Cart Command. You can follow us on Facebook at Cartridge Command. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or any of your favorite podcast apps. Feel free to give to us on Patreon. Your support makes this show possible. Well, Nick and Eric, I want to thank you guys for having me here in uh, the Cartridge Command Center. Well, thanks for coming coming down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, Cartridge Commandos. Game, Game on! on.